Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have a very special guest, um, someone I've been trying to hunt down for a while, um, and I'm so grateful I got some of his time, given how busy he is. Uh, Greg Raymond, who is the head coach at Hobart and William Smith for the Hobart men's lacrosse team. Coach, how are you doing? John, I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm happy to be here. So let's, okay. uh, let's get a good one going. Of course. I, uh, I greatly appreciate it because I know how sensitive your time is with everything you got going on. So, you know, getting right into it for those that know you but don't know you, who is uh, Coach Greg Raymond? Oh, wow. A deep question first, John, huh? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I like it. Uh, Greg Raymond is a uh, father, a husband, uh, a head coach, uh, you know, a uh, a son and a brother. Uh, I may, you know, the first two are in order of importance and, and the others kind of fall into place, but um, a big family man, John, and, and, and a guy that's been fortunate to have a lot of great experiences, uh, a lot of great opportunities that I think have, uh, have put me in a position where, you know, I'm hopeful that, that, that I can mentor some other folks along the right path here. Absolutely. Um, you originally are from Corning. You played your college lacrosse at Hopkins, which, you know, for a lot of people that are in the lacrosse space know what a powerhouse that school is. What led you to Hopkins? Were you highly recruited out of high school? Did you kind of have to be like how Josh Allen is for the Bills, where you're emailing and kind of recruiting yourself to a bunch of coaches and then one of them gave you a chance and you ended up there? Like what like what was that entire process like from Corning High School to landing at one of the best schools in the country. Sure. Uh, you know, it was um, not like the Josh Allen route. I, I, I was, I was recruited pretty heavily and um, you know, honestly, John played for a great high school coach, uh, a great high school program. And, and we had folks in front of us that had kind of set the stage for what, division one lacrosse or the next step looked like, or, or uh, honestly college athletics in general, we had, we had guys in that program that went, that went on to um, that bigger or that next step before that I, before I got there. So, so the coach that I played under was familiar with how that recruiting process worked and, and put us in forms. This is way back, John, where, you know, club lacrosse didn't exist. And, and, you know, you got recruited at, uh, uh, you know, if you were fortunate enough to play in some postseason games and, and go to some camps. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't have a club program. I, my summer consisted of football camp, basketball camp, and, and one lacrosse camp. And, um, and that was kind of it. So I, I needed his guidance in terms of how that whole thing worked really. And, you know, fortunately we, you know, we won some big games and played some good competition and, and coaches were in a position to, to see me play. Uh, at the high school level. So, you know, I think uh, I took five official visits my, my senior year. That's that's when the official visit was king. You, you went to a place overnight. You stayed two days at, at, a, at a college or university, and you had a host, and, you know, you had meals, you hung out, you had meetings, and, and you know, kind of really did it the, the thorough way. So I went to – I visited Hopkins. I visited Georgetown. I visited Syracuse. And – uh Rutgers and Towson were the five visits that I had and um, basically got narrowed down to, to Georgetown and Hopkins fairly quickly. And then um, through, through a multitude of reasons, you know, I chose 
the the Hopkins route out of uh, John. You know me well. I'm a I'm a tradition guy. I'm a mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm a, I'm a where where did the program come from? Who's leading it? And uh, can can I win a national championship here? And I felt like uh, at that place I would I would have the most fruitful experience as a Division One athlete and get the best education I could. Um, in that simultaneous four-year stint. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of decision-making went into it, but I, d- I decided on Hopkins, John, my uh, my December of my senior year in high school and, um, you know, quickly applied uh, early decision in the second round and, and was in and, and off and running. So that's uh, kind of how that whole thing went, in a, I guess, in a nutshell. Yeah, and before we get um, – because I do know you really well about the tradition aspect – um, before we get into that, you mentioned that your high school coach really broke it down to you what that next level is like. I've had conversations with Frank um, and a couple other guys about how I didn't necessarily get that. I kind of like learned on the go. And as I look back, I'm like, wow, I wish someone would have more so not broke it down like baby stepped it to me, but been very blunt and honest. Because my experience um, being in Buffalo, it felt as though that like coaches were trying to get guys into good programs just so it made them look like good coaches versus actually breaking it down and sitting with the kid being like, look, this is what it's going to look like on top of a class schedule. On top of this, you go to a program like that. You're competing with the top of the top. It's alpha mentality, kind of like how you would run practices and stuff like that. And it's more so I think for a lot of people, they don't understand it. They just have that like shiny object syndrome where they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm getting recruited by Hopkins or I'm getting recruited by all these D1 schools, I'm going to go there because then it may, like other people that don't really understand it from the outside are going to think I'm something special. And then the kid gets there and it's more so like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. I had, I didn't have that experience, but I'm just, I know other people that did. And I'm always curious, like what coaches are actually doing on that, like amateur high school level that, you know, different like high level programs aren't like what what were the things that like your high school coach was telling you and kind of breaking it down for you in like an honest, blunt way. So you were mentally and almost physically prepared. Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I'm not I'm not envious, John, of the, of the situation you explained where, um, you know, you, you do see a, a fair amount of coaches in a club circuit or even in a high school circuit now that that are that are anxious to get their young man or their player to the next level and uh, I do believe that the majority of them have the interest of that young man in their in their thought process but I, I do think there are conflicting agendas at times you know I think the best way to answer that question is yeah, basically your your influence of decision making. It's what it's what we do as coaches, John. We lead, we put young men in positions to to make educated decisions and help them understand that, you know, until you take full and extreme ownership over your journey, you know, there's going to be a lot of what ifs. There's going to be a lot of you know maybe this wasn't for me, or there's going to be a lot of greener pastures and other in other forums. But if if you're provided good guidance in that, you sit down with an individual who who knows what the hell he's talking about and says, okay, before we start talking Hopkins, Q's, Georgetown, yada yada, whatever, what do you want, right? What do you want in an experience? What what are the best values of that next level that you want to see come to fruition? And so when you put those non-negotiables in a decision-making platform, you know, and and you make them, 
less general, John. So if I want a great education, I want to play great lacrosse. We, we get a lot of guys in our office that say all the right things, but there's so much gray area in those right comments. And, and, you know, when we're recruiting and in that process, we don't want to hear what we want to hear. We want to hear who you are and, and what you want to do. And so if you want a great education, awesome. What's going to make it great? Is it the curriculum? Is it, you know, the, the, the challenging courses or is it your professors? Like, let's, let's get into that a bit. And you want to play division one lacrosse. Awesome. But why, why, why do you want to do that? Because there's a lot to it, man. So um, I think what he, the guidance I got was first and foremost, let's talk about what you want in an experience, you know, and then when you get on these visits and you're talking to these coaches, do your best to interview them as well. And to ask, how, how do I get to those places, right? How do I get to those successful outcomes under your leadership? I mean, obviously, you got to be respectful in those questions. And, you know, you're not challenging a coaching staff. You're just saying, listen, man, I want to be great. I want to be a great player. I want to have an awesome education that will provide me very fruitful next steps. And, and I want to win, you know. And, and it's okay to have an, an articulate ambition, when you're going through that recruiting process and we, we attempt to find it in lots of cases, John, we ask, you know, explain the ambition, explain the why, tell us, you know, why your parents are driving you to all these club tournaments. Tell why, why you're on this visit. What, what's it for? Tell, tell us what you want to accomplish at this next level and do not be humble. Tell me exactly what you want. And then we'll add humility to it and, and show you the way. So, um, you know, for me, it was, I want to play for a staff that wants to win the last game of the year and, and that's it. And I want to play for a program that teaches the players in that program to respect each other very well. And, and what are the ways we do that? Obviously they're extensive, John, and we taught that a lot while you were here, but, and then it's, and then it's, what does the great education mean at one? Can I, can I execute it? Well, being a division one athlete can, will I have the time to really find some passion in, in this educational pursuit, find some next steps that aren't just check boxes, but maybe something that I'm actually really interested in. And I'm not looking for a job here. I'm looking for a career. So, you know, how did all, how do all those pieces take place? So that long winded way of saying, pal, I had, I had a guy, I had parents, I had, I had a, an awesome older brother. I had people that were like, hey, man, this is your decision, but you got to make sure you know what's going into it here. And um, with, with that platform, I felt like I had a pretty good balance in terms of how to pick what was next. Yeah, absolutely. I was just um, – I just started reading a book by this guy that's a he, – he's an immigrant from Iran, and he pretty – he runs a massive, like, business here in America now, and – He's super successful, big entrepreneur. And one of the things that he said, which I feel like you might come across when you have these uh, visits, when kids visit, um, he was saying like one of the most dangerous people um, is the ambitious person where they're very, very ambitious, both that when it comes down to actually doing the work and it being laid out for them, what the blueprint is to get there, they shy away from it. And they're just like, they kind of like um, negotiate with themselves. Like how, like you were just saying, when you talk with kids and you're like, tell us why you want to win, you know, don't, don't be humble. We'll add the humility to it. What is it if you're at all, like, I mean, I feel like you're good with it now. How can you see right through 
a kid when he says all these things and then you start breaking it down for them, maybe in their body language or their energy that like, you can kind of see that like, okay, they don't, they don't really want it. Like they say they do. And this might not be a kid that might fit the program. Sure. Sure. You know, and I, and I think the, there's a, there's a large element to this too, John, that, that requires our leadership and teaching when they're here. Right. So, yeah. you know, I think that there, our objective isn't really to, to see through the young man or to, to see a guy that might be fibbing. It's, it's, it's to, it's to see if he's prepared to match behavior with ambition. So, you know, to, to comment on uh, the book that you're reading, you know, finding ambitious people is not difficult. They're everywhere. I think they're, you know, it, it's human nature to a certain degree. And yeah, even, even having a competitive nature is, for the most part, you're going to find it in 95% of the people you talk to. But you know, being competitive and being ambitious aren't challenging things. They're, they're in, in a lot of evaluation human nature. So our, the questions that we ask have to do with, are you prepared to behave in an ambitious manner? Right. It's so, mm -hmm. I mean, I can tell you all day long that, you know, I want a Mercedes, you know, that wanting things is not difficult. I can tell you all day long. I want to win championships. That's I, again, a very easy thing, John, but uh, if I can articulate behavior now, there's a lot of things that go into those behavioral based questions. We talk a lot to these guys about, um, who, who their, who their parents are first and foremost, talk about your relationship with your mom, talk about your relationship with your dad, good or bad, you know, or even if one doesn't exist, you know, there's lots of different family forums here, but we want to know that they've had great guidance, that they've been put in a position where they respect some hierarchy, they respect experience, they're, they're willing to listen. And um, you'd be surprised at how many people have, very challenging relationships with their parents in that they, they you know, they're, they're interrupting them. They're, they're speaking over them. They, they don't show really the, the, the respectful forum we, we need in a, in a great teammate and, and someone that's going to take coaching. So we talk a lot about those relationships, their best friends. Why, who's your best friend? Why? Right. And then tell me your perfect scenario as a player at this level. Again, don't be humble. What's the say? Say some words like all Americans. Say some words like all conference. Say some, say some things that you know we will again take statistical analysis out of your journey. We'll take, we'll take selfish pursuit out of your journey here. But we want to know you want to do those things, you know. And then, and then, what's your perfect scenario as a team? What do you want your team to do? And then, you know, so we get into these deep discussions with the right people that if they're short answers and it's, I want, you know, I want to, I want to contribute. It's like, great. You know, we <laughs> we're you know, we get it, but to what capacity? Cause everybody here contributes. Everybody on our team has a great role. And when they service it and, and, and find it and go all the way with it, we, we could probably do some special things. So, um, Again, the I think the 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 pursuit of a of a young man who's going to provide his best at this level is going to indicate that, hey, listen, I I want to do phenomenal things as an individual and a program, but uh, you know I I'm prepared to work for it, right? I I know that at this level, I'm going to deserve only what I earn, and if I, if I earn it, great, and if I'm not. I'm not going to find a different path. I'm going to find a different way to work. 
right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn them in and go here. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I pin my ears back and keep moving forward. And so um, I think that's the, the biggest look for us is can this young man articulate um, what, what type of behavioral traits he has in conjunction with that ambition? Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you know how close I am with my mom and the relationship we have. And one thing uh, that she's always done with me when it comes to sports is obviously we all sometimes from time to time complain or be like, that's bullshit, X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, but she would always tell me, but if you're not playing and you don't like where you are, and you're not happy with it, you either need to do one of two things, stop playing or get better because clearly if you're not playing or you're not giving what you want, there's a reason for it. And it was more so of like a hundred percent accountability, but obviously, you know, like you were saying, like, what's your relationship with like with your parents? One thing that like I've recently come to find out is that a lot of people I know, they don't, I thought like everyone had the relationship I have with my mom with their parents. And like, obviously maybe I'm naive, but kind of surprised that that's not the case. And then, um, you kind of see that outward expression in how they play and prepare and stuff like that. Does, um, do you think that if, how do I want to ask this? Do you think that that hard accountability makes a player better? Or do you think that players can eventually get to that? Cause obviously at the D one level, there's a, there's an aspect of ego that goes into the player getting them there. But mm-hmm. when you get through the door, like I remember when the first season you came in, um, one of the first things you said were just like, I don't care, you know, what you are, who you are, what accolades you have. This is a tryout basis. We're running the program differently than it's been run. And I actually, you, you didn't yell at me, but you kind of scolded me the first time when you guys were like eyes on me when I talk and I laughed and you called me out in the team huddle, but I only laughed because growing up, my mom would always do that. She'd be like, when I'm talking to you, look at me. And, <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, and I don't, <laughs> And you kind of like, because you didn't know us that well, and you were just, you kind of like looked at me and, you know, made a comment, nothing bad, but I just thought it was funny. And I've always gravitated more towards coaches like how you are, that are, this is what it is. It's all about respect, but it's also, and looking back, I realized like how you coach and how you do it, it's indirectly preparing us for the real world. Um, Was that? something that you learned by being coached high school coach playing at Hopkins with Petro, or is that something you kind of like connected the dots on your own? And now that you're a head coach, you do. Yeah, sure. Both, both, you know, and I think, um, you know, first, how, how is your mom? She's doing well. Oh yeah. She's doing, she's doing great. She's getting ready to retire and she's only 46. Oh, every day's a Saturday, man. Good for I her. I know. I know. You know? So especially yeah, cause she did it solo. I had a lot of good talks with her, man. So yes. uh, please, please give my best. But the, you know, I think that that's that's a that's a loaded question, brother, for for a couple different reasons. It's a great one, but you know, what what I what I learned, um, I think through through some up and down and some hardship, is that you know, in the end, the the conversations that you need to have in the mirror, and the decision making that you do there is. Uh, that that's what your journey is subject to. That's what the outcome is subject to. That's what your happiness is really connected to is, am I good with me? You know? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the, uh, and the, the, the forum that we used when we first got here, John, that was, 
not anything a previous staff did or didn't do, not anything you guys were doing right or wrong. We, we, we don't, we don't have any reference to that. We're not, we weren't here. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I can't come in and claim, you know, you guys did everything wrong before I got here. Maybe I can talk about it a bit, but it, it's not truthful because I mean, I didn't have a camera in the Hobart lacrosse office. I didn't know how he led. I don't know what you guys did. All I know was the best part of that, what you just said, is we didn't know you guys. Yeah. You know? And and we needed to see what we're made of. And I think the, 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 uh, the conversations I had with the staff who, again, we were learning to do things together, right? I never worked with Pete. I never worked with with Jeremy, the you know Coach Poyon and Coach Hirsch were we were a new staff together. We're coaching a new team. Everything was new. So what we have to figure out is how much do these guys care about their opportunity? Like what are they what are they willing to do? So you know I think when we're hard on the team early and we're still we still ask a lot of our guys, John, on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, I think at that point it was, I got to be stern. They got to know how serious I am about making this program great. And, you know, but the only way it gets there is if every person, a part of it has that accountability with the man in the mirror, right. Has that, has that conversation that a lot of people don't want to have that honest conversation just because it's, uncomfortable man it's you know the the conversation that's like how am i actually doing how committed am i really what am i willing to do for someone else here so what i learned was that i i needed to have the fortitude if i wanted to succeed and um and it comes in all different facets. It comes from peer leadership, peer help. It comes from your coaches. It comes from um, the respect you have for your journey, like you said, the relationship that you have to your family, your parents, the people that got you there. Um, the uh, All those things tie in. But a young man is so easily distracted now, John. You're, you're so um, – we, we call it the right now era, right? The right now yeah. generation where it's like if I don't see the fruits of my labor – right now you know is there something else out there right and like your mom gave you great advice if you don't if you're not completely connected to what you're doing yeah there are different paths you need to take it's a it's a different one in the situation you're in or it's a different one completely but again you have to go 100 percent. and i remember having that conversation with you when when you're leaving and going to mercyhurst it was like that's fine buddy Uh, you know i don't want you to go but if you're a hundred percent with it and you're ready to pursue it hard, then I'll support it for sure. You know? So I think um, understanding that the adversities you face, the experiences you have, they're, they're going to mold you. So you can't have all that you need to, to, to have a successful trip. um, When you get there, it just doesn't work that way. You need to experience things. You need to, you need to have, your nose bent a little bit. You gotta, you gotta thicken your skin. You gotta become calloused a bit in the mind so that, um, you know, you know who the hell you are when, when it's all said and done. And, and like you said, that's the main goal. We, we came here to win brother. We, we love winning, winning helps all things from a leadership perspective and a team perspective. I mean, you name it, happiness, winning's a ton better than losing. There's no way to say it differently, but you know, our objective ultimately is to make sure that, you know, you said Frank Brown and, and your boys, you know, Jackson and Murph and all these guys that they're, they're doing so well now. Right. They mm-hmm. they have they have the head on their shoulders and 
and you know the fortitude in their heart to 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 lead in life that's that's what we want sounds corny but it's the truth man there's no there's no shortage of mediocrity in this world man and there's no shortage of problem finders they're out all over the place are there problem solvers that's what we want we want guys that are going to leave and and help solve things help things help make things better on a day-to-day basis and then for themselves be able to smile right so um yeah that the ultimate goal is is who they are when they leave but in that moment john you gotta you gotta push them to see how much they respect and appreciate the opportunity no, without a doubt. And before we even get into, because um, that's definitely something I wanted to bring up, is the obviously the conversation before I left um, Hobart. One thing that um, I had conversations with my mom about, because like it doesn't, I don't know why. Like I, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I, obviously I haven't seen you in a while, but it the version of me that you know when I was a player for you versus like who I am now. That's like why I said the hypocrite aspect of it. Um, but you see, like, like you were saying, like the right now era with like social media. And then we talked about before we started how information is available and stuff. I've seen a lot of, um, like all access videos on ESPN and stuff like that of like how Nick Saban is with, uh, Alabama. And one of the things that, um, I've watched over and over again, I know I've shared it with Frank a couple times too, is he talked about like mental toughness and he talked about how, um, not letting your frustration break you and what it takes to be broken. And he was like, if you're frustrated from the previous play and then that affects the next play, that means your frustration broke you and you mentally broke. And he talks about how at high level sports, especially in college, that's not the goal of what the coaching staff is trying to do. It's just a side effect of what's going to happen because of where you guys are trying to go. And one thing that I have a conversation with my mom about is because her having me at 17 and then her raising me completely on her own. And obviously, you know, all the conversations that's come with that. It's like, oh, well, you might end up on welfare. You might end up at this. And she's always been headstrong, like, no, um, F yourself. I'm doing it my way. I'm making it happen. And has always gone against the grain and kind of like how she's told me, like, if you're not getting the outcome you desire, kind of like how you touched on earlier, don't just like say, Oh, well, it was me, but more so like really zoom out, be objective about it and figure out a different way to make it happen. Because if someone else has once been able to do it, you can too. Obviously you might be starting up further behind or further ahead, regardless of what that is. Nowadays, um, touching into the right now era, I personally feel as though that People don't want to be people care more about the accolades versus the actual work to get there. So like what I mean by that is like I know people that have been like, I would never go play for Nick Saban or I'd never go play for Coach K at Duke. Like those guys are assholes. I'd go play at like uh, Syracuse or I'd go play at um, UNC or, you know, University of Southern Cal or like any of these other schools. But then on the flip side, they're saying they want to be winners, but Alabama, for example, is a factory, but they know that they're going to be held to like an extremely high standard playing under Saban and playing under Coach K. Why, in your opinion, or maybe you don't even agree at all, why do you think that people like shy away from that? Is that like the man in the mirror personal accountability or like what's your because in my head, like thinking about how my mom's like raised me and then like obviously how you've coached the program and how you were with us. I look back and I'm like, oh, he was doing the exact same thing. She was doing the exact same. But now I see it from Nick Saban and like these all access clips. And it makes sense why Bama has eight out of the last, you know, 12 national championships or whatever it is. 
why do you think people understand that but shy away from that? Uh, well, you know, John, there's there's lots of different ways to skin a cat. You know, I think yeah, you know, leadership comes in all forms, and there are um, there are directives that certain individuals learn that they've seen successful and and implement into their everyday teaching right i'm sure nick saban had um a tremendous amount of gratitude and uh fulfillment from the discipline he learned and that uh that he was taught as a as a player a young coach uh, we all we all have those mentors you know that that show us a certain way and we agree with it or we don't but you know i think um uh the there you could you could find the other end of that spectrum and find a coach that always found the right you know and was always positive and you know that that positive coaching alliance and that positive you know parenting alliance i'm in it right now man i got three kids under the age of seven everybody's telling me how the hell i'm supposed to parent them and Mm -hmm. you know and then and then we get all these influences as coaches and leaders like you said i mean you get on social media everyone's teaching everyone how to lead Everyone's teaching every kid how to be. Everyone's teaching every, I mean, how many opinions can you really have? You know, so exactly, you know, you're just, you're going to get confused. I think the, the people, the way that the reason why, you know, Nick Saban wins, I think so much. um, One reason is he's got great players. He has great athleticism. You know, they, they they recruit like animals, but I talk to my staff all the time. I'm like, they got to be doing something right. You know, cause you know, even when we get, uh, doctored in some scholarships here. You know, I remember sitting down with the staff when it first happened. I was like, we got to do the same things because I know lots of scholarship programs that don't win. So, you know, I think understanding that there is a science to what he's doing. There is some things that people don't know, right? He ain't he ain't out with all the things that have made them successful, right? You, mm-hmm. you can't be. You got to keep some of that stuff close to the chest. But, you know, there's the Ted Lasso's out there too that, uh, you know, not from a fictional standpoint, but literally that um, that do all things based on, <coughs> excuse me, the emotional connection, the, um, you know, the deep breathing tactics, the, you know, you, you name it. There's, yeah. um, there's, all, there's, all different, there's all different ways to do this thing. So I think what people shy away from is, the uncomfortability really is that, you know, this, this coaching staff or this coach is going to be very honest with me. And, um, you know, I think that when you, you mentioned the word asshole, it's like, okay, well, what, what's the definition there? What makes him an asshole? Right. And it's like, is it cause he yells or is it cause he's loud or is it, you know, because he makes sure that I'm going to do things based on a team perspective and he's going to instill discipline in me. So lots of different ways to, to evaluate that, you know? And I mean, I wish I could tell you, but there's, there's people that don't want to come play for us. We talk about, you know, the culture of this program and, and the standard with which we hold our guys to and how we, how we were ferocious in it and never negotiate. And some people don't want that, you know, some people want uh, something different. So you can't, change things based on or or evaluate things based on a matter of opinion you know we we um i mean that's that's the world now man it's like you know this is the right way to think no this is the right way to think no and yeah. and um you know it's it, we're supposed to be this all-inclusive and and um you know bringing everybody in environment but then at the same time it's like if you don't think what i think you're wrong so it, you know it's the the hypocritical world we're in it has that same evaluation 
of those uh, of those coaches, I'm sure, but of what's right and what's the wrong way to teach. You know, we're uh, I can't tell you how how many eggshells we walk on now, John. With you know, you can't say that, right? Or you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't tell this young man exactly what we want to. Not one, not just because it might be wrong, but he ain't gonna handle it well. You know, yeah. There, there are some you can look at and you can you can get after, right? You can say that ain't good enough. It's never gonna be good enough, and hold yourself to a higher standard, and they'll they'll react. They'll 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 do it well. They'll they'll see it as motivation. They'll they'll see past the superficial volume of your voice or maybe even the words sometime and just trust that you're trying to get the best version of him out. Um, and there are some that will not handle that well. So, you know, I think molding your, your, your form for discipline is very important these days, but um, you know, from a, what's the right method to teach you know what's your favorite color right so we can we we can go back and forth and whoever's got the chalk last will probably win but you know in the end it's we want young men in this program Nick Saban wants them in his coach K wants them in his that understand how they're going to coach and appreciate it and not just go well why is he coming at me he ain't he's coming at the team right and yeah. you know so whatever whatever example i made of you in that huddle that was for us, man. Right. That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't just for John. That was okay. John, whatever, wherever, however, whatever reason John's laughing at, I don't care right now. I want everybody to hear. Right. You know, so, and then, yeah. and then I'll circle back with John and make sure, yeah, man, it's not personal. I love you. And we're good. You know, you just, you got to understand why I made that point. And, and with you, what an intelligent young man, you always did. Um, and we hope or very hopeful that the young men that choose to play here, um, we'll always understand those points that we make, but we got to do a pretty good job circling back at this point and making sure that um, these guys know, you know, we're, we're preparing you for the road here, man. We're not trying to prepare the road for you because we can't, we, we don't have the tools to pave the whole thing out and make it perfect. It just doesn't work that way. So, you know, our, our job, it's not to instill confidence. It's not to, um, you know, make you different than you are. It's to help you grow into the man that we really believe you can be. Absolutely. And how do you, because obviously I know I was talking to um, Shane a couple weeks ago because um, he was surely? that. Yeah. The, yeah, surely. My guy, uh, man, I love him. I know. Did it, I don't know if he mentioned it to you, but he asked me to be the, the godfather of his daughter. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations, man. Thank you. But he asked me in the most surely way, which I'll tell you off the recording because I don't want to recruit it in the podcast, but just use your imagination. And that's how he asked me. Oh, um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, no, one thing, one thing I've noticed that I do, I do need to ask. So like, obviously I've always been, I know, you know, this, you might even laugh. I've always been the type of player where I need a coach on me 24 seven screaming at me, bloody murder to get the best out of me. I know that's not every kid. Um, and you mentioned how nowadays you walk on eggshells and stuff like that. And I never took it personal when you or Poyon or even Hirsch would explode on me in practice. But how nowadays, because I knew, like, I knew what your intent was and you guys wanted to win. So I never took it personal. I never was like, wow, you fuck sure, those you guys. Sure, you sure it was an explosion? I mean, it no, 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 no. Okay. I'm making it seem, I'm making it seem bad. It's more so of like, it would be. It would be like a raised voice and like, a, are you effing kidding me? Because we like, 
how you ran practice was everything was timed to the T. Um, and when things weren't being executed properly after we've gone over it over and over and over again, and it's still not happening, it was more so a level of frustration that was expressed outward. It wasn't like an explosion, like you're breaking clipboards and like how I'm saying it. So yeah, gotcha. but you, you know I what I mean? Appreciate it, though. buddy. Yeah, yeah I got just you. Yeah, like, for uh, sure. Just like that one day that we couldn't catch a pass and you literally were just like, I'm out of here and had us doing like uh, that full field passing drill for like a good hour and a half. And we got kicked off the field. It's like that, which it's happened. Every coach does it. Um, how nowadays, like, do you have to like maneuver in that space with kids? Cause I could easily see how a coach exploding on a kid. I'm all, okay. I shouldn't say exploding a coach getting on a kid makes that kid like, I don't even want to be here. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Versus like understanding. Whereas like, as you know it, I just said it. Like if I'm not getting yelled at at least three to four times of practice, like I'm like, oh, I could coast. Like I'm doing everything right when that's not the case. But that's just right. how I am. But I know myself to at least admit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, and you you could we we gave you the itch while you were here, man. We got to get everybody to get the itch, bro. It's like yes, you know, you sure. remember you remember our morning practices, pal. I remember you you made a declaration to get up you got to the locker room at like 4 45 you'd you'd suit up and you'd shoot for an hour before we we'd practice that's at 5 a.m right so uh-huh. so so i gotta i gave you the itch for a bit man that's that's what that's what it's all about is how, how can i get through to this guy and you know so for whatever purposes that worked you were doing it you know you, do you were, remember do you remember not to cut you off do you remember what you said to me I mean, amongst many things, yeah, but, I mean, in what, in what capacity? <laughs> no, you were – I remember you called me into your office, and we sat down, and I thought you were joking, but, like, you gave me that that, uh, that dead serious, like, look and, like, very serious tone, and um, and then later afterwards, you said you obviously weren't serious. You needed to figure out a way to, like, get me going, but you were just like, hey, if nothing improves by the end of the year, like, we're not going to ask you back. We're going to cut you. And I remember mm-hmm. leaving that, leaving your office, like, like sweating, like, all right, <laughs> I got, I get, I get three excused absences. I'm not going to class today. Like, I gotta, <laughs> like, restructure my schedule and, like, do everything. But it was like, it was like a fear that instilled in me because, like, I, when you said that, like you said, man in the mirror, it was like, wow, I really am not pulling my weight. Like I'm not, and not pulling my weight for the team, but not pulling the weight for the potential that you guys saw within me. Sure. Sure. And you know, John, I think to answer this question, we can, we can talk about your case specifically. It was, it was, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not all the way sure this young man loves it here. You know, I'm not all the way sure he's fully into Hobart. You know, we're going to do our best to get through to him, you know, and I know that you and I had a lot of conversations about, you know, what, you know, what, what, what do I want in an experience? And we ended up, you know, parting ways. But before that, it was like, let's see, you know, who he is. And then let's see how much motivation he can really take. And, you know, I think the change you made just in that short stint when you were here, has probably put you in a position, John, where you're having the success that you're having right now. And I'm not saying it's me. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I gave you, I gave you the motivation you specifically needed. And it was like, all right, let's see if we take this away from him, how he's going to react. Right. And, yeah. you know, and, and uh, we would never lie to you, buddy. I didn't, I didn't do it to, 
to go, uh, well, let's let's jerk his chain a little bit. And then if he doesn't make any changes, not take it away. And uh, we can't do that. we got to be honest. And so, yeah. you know, and if uh, if the honesty is, it, John, you, you got to do more, man. Like, you got to do more. This isn't the product you can put out. And this isn't this isn't what's making our team better. And and that was across the board, John. It's not like you were. So no, of in that endeavor, this there was there were a lot of folks that needed a readjustment and 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 a change in perspective, you know. And I think the the best part is when of coaching is when you see it, you know, when you see a young man behaving differently because he cares about some other folks, and most importantly, he respects himself to 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 make sure, like you said, I, I'm I'm not do, I'm not holding my weight here, you know. This I can I can do more for sure. So. Um, and there's examples out there of all of these successes, John. Very rarely do you hear the guy say or the woman say, "Yeah, I coasted." You know, I coasted. I, I did the. <laughs> I, did, I did the. I did the bare minimum, and and you know now now I got uh, you know a house, a, a beach house, and and uh, and everything in between. But and and a successful family. Those doesn't really happen that way. So I think you know when when you when you when you break it down to the original question that you asked, you got to know the person, John. And, and I say walk on eggshells. It, we're not, we're not walking too, too softly here. We know what standard yeah. works. We believe in our standard. We believe in our coaching and, and we're not changing it per se. W- what we're doing is, is, is locating more of the individual first. And mm-hmm. to, to your boy, Nick Saban, my favorite quote of his people don't, care what you know till they know that you care so you gotta you gotta connect to the dude you know you gotta sit down and really figure it out like john i you know I, you know I, my mom was raised my brother and i i related to that it was yeah you know so i'm like okay now we, we got this connection here so i'm gonna push that hard and make sure he knows that his best interest is where we're at but for him our best interest involves being tough on him because he he responds well to that now I mean, we're, we're, we're always tough on people. We're tough on all of our guys. You know, we, we're consistent in our messages and we don't, if a, if a young man doesn't really take the stern well, or, or the message well, um, we're not just gonna, you know, not coach the guy, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna make him or allow him to determine what the best case scenario is. But we, we have to know that that's our job that, 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 if you do these things, this is how we get to the best case scenario or, or we're not very good coaches or leaders. So, but there are different ways, man. There are different ways to discipline. There are different ways to show respect. Uh, there are different ways to add perspective and they, they're, they're not right or wrong or this to that last conversation, but there are different young men now. And I think if you go into a scenario where I'm going to coach everyone the same exact way, and if they don't like it, like you said, they can f off. That 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 may not work these days, you know. Now yeah. you can have you can have a standard, John, that doesn't bend, that doesn't break, you know. But I think I think young men can and young women now they can accomplish or get to that standard, not negotiate with it in, in a couple different ways, you know. So um, we're more flexible in that evaluation. 
of a person. And we're, mm-hmm. we, spend, we spend more time on it than I think ever. And I think every coach does, you know, I, I, I just, I prayed to God. I mean, or if I had to go back in time, I, I mean, my major would be psychology without a doubt if I knew I was doing this. Cause you know, I'm sitting with young men and going, well, shit, man, that, that's a little bit over my pay grade. You know, we'll work on it, but you know, <laughs> you, you know, you, you may, you may have to go talk to someone else, you know, but you, you can push in the moment. And when you circle back, then, then you got to start asking questions like, yo, is, how is everything? You know, you good? Is there anything I need to know? Is there anything, you know, we tell our, I tell my staff constantly, ask a question first, listen, before you're ready to, before you're ready to unload, you know, in the practice mm-hmm. moment, in the practice moment, John, those are easy. If you're not giving effort, if you don't care about your outcome, if you don't care about your performance, yes, we will correct that as 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 fiercely and as intensely as we feel like is necessary. But in the end, when we circle back and sit the young man down, I can just go, well, dude, tell me why you don't think you're catching any balls here. Like, what's happening? And um, or tell me why every pass you throw is going into the ground. And ultimately, in most cases, you know, we'll, we'll have guys spinning their wheels in here. And I'm like, yeah, that's all great, man. But all I'm hearing is you don't practice ever. You know, you don't work on your craft ever. So you, it sounds like everything's good. Yes, everything's good, coach. I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm ready. I'm, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, then you got to do some work. I mean, you got to get your stick in your hands. That's an easy solution, you know. But sometimes, John, there's more to it, right? So, um, you know, I think that pursuit of first the conversation, making sure you're willing to have it. You know, making sure you truly, genuinely care about what the answer is. If you're just asking questions and you ain't listening as a leader, you're a bad leader. So, you know, and also if you don't want problems, you're a bad leader. So, you know, I think the uh, the understanding that those answers that come out can be different, but also you can find success at the end of that difference is uh, is an okay thing to accept these days. Absolutely. What um, What are your thoughts on this? So something that I look back and I think about, like, Obviously, you know this, which we could I'll tell you more about it at, after we get off this recording. Um, but I got the boot from the lacrosse team at Mercyhurst. But I look back at that whole experience and everything that we just touched on about how, you know, you had to more so like, you know, be like, hey, look, this is this is where we're at with you. And then I had to more so change when I got to Mercyhurst. It was, as I'm sure you can imagine, the, the speed of the game was a lot slower. The, um, the talent was there, but not to the level that it like, was on our team. And I've openly said this with like, the guys on the Mercier's team, that if that team that I left and uh, the Mercier's team I joined, if we were to, say, scrimmage before the season, you guys would have probably hung 30 on us. And I know that sounds crazy because it's collegiate lacrosse. But um, because of that and because of like how different the school and the culture and everything about it was like, it's polar opposite night and day. Um, again, I went back to like coasting and then obviously my decisions of coasting ended up leading me to getting kicked off. What I want to know your thoughts on is now looking back and obviously other things just in general in life that, you know, you've gone through that I know personally and stuff like that. Do you think that I want to say I don't want to say the boogeyman, but do you think that like accountability, if you don't stay with it, catches up to you and reveals itself in other ways? Like so basically what I'm saying is I went from, you know, coasting it to improving. And then I'm like, oh, I got a little bit more leeway because things are a little bit easier here. I'm going to just coast and do my thing. And then, boom, it ended up punching me right in the mouth. And I'm like, wow, okay, I can't compromise the accountability in myself and I can't compromise 
the standards that you guys have preached and coached to us? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, I think first, John, you got to, you know, you're a very self-aware person and, uh, you know, it it, it comes out just in these, in this, in this back and for these back and forth questions. However, you get to that self-aware point, you know, is how you get there. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what you want in all the young men that you coach is that they're, they're, they're aware of the decisions they make. They're aware of what impacts them negatively and, and positively, but also who does, right? The, Mm -hmm. who you're surrounding yourself with, man, I'm convinced is everything, you know, who's, who's providing you influence, um, good or bad. You know, if you, if you're a part of a culture that is consistent on complacency, you're going to be a complacent person. If you're, if you're a part of a culture that is okay with mediocrity, you're going to be a mediocre person. And you know, what, what will continue to impact you throughout the course of your life is the people you spend the most time with. And you know, why, why do you back to that original question that we asked the young men that sit in our offices, who's your best friend and why? And they, you know, they, if they give us a, 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 you know, kind of a limp answer, we'll, we'll ask it again and say, okay, well, but, and we'll also just say, you know, go back into the why a little bit. Why is this person your best friend? And I think the people that um, answer it well and, and end up doing a pretty good job for us, they talk about how competitive they are with that person. You know, uh, the, the, the way that they're, they're able to have conversations with that individual when something's going wrong or, you know, maybe you can't have that talk with your dad or your mom or, you know, and just like our guys, you know, more reluctant to have that conversation with Coach Raymond or Coach Brundage and, and more, more so inclined to have it with a peer. That, you got to know who that peer is. And am I putting the person that I trust in these types of scenarios next to me in a locker room, next to me on a field, next to me in a classroom, next to me in an office, you know, uh, how, how willing are these people to, to understand their ability to influence others? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we always say, man, I mean, individually, we, we don't think we're important here, man. There, you just, it's, it's it's an insidious behavior, but if you you really feel like you can positively influence another, that's where importance in our life comes out. So um, that accountability, John's everything, man. It is your own self discipline. It's going to provide you great freedom, but there's got to be folks around you that support it and that mm-hmm. that that know, hey, like you know that we're doing the right things. I mean, if you're in a team and you're and coach says, hey, listen, man, we ain't drinking you know, unless it's a Saturday or, Hey, we're dry this season. Right. And then you say all that bullshit and then you go out on a Saturday and you do whatever the hell you want. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's not a culture of accountability. That's, that's a, uh, that's a culture of mediocrity. But if there's a peer that can look at you and say, Hey man, we said this and we're going to do it. So if you, if you're going to break these rules or these standards again, we ain't going to let you play for this team. Now you're talking about somebody other than that leading figure, John, that's going to, that you're going to respect implicitly as your time goes on. And like you said, along the path, I mean, your best buddies with Frank. I mean, Frank knows who he is, man. Right. And he, yes. he, he went through some great up and down, you know, at mm-hmm. the times, at the times you can't say great, doesn't feel like it, but, those are the things that mold you, man. They make you. And he went through some extraordinary 
up and down when he was here and what resulted in one of the best leaders I've ever coached, one of the best players I've ever coached. Now, a guy that's influenced and focused on mentoring young men. I mean, I couldn't be prouder, but, you know, he had great people around him. He did. He had, he had peers around him that were like, just stay focused, brother. And then he became one of those. So, you know, the, the way that it went for you at Mercyhurst, and I'm sorry to hear that, brother. I, 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 I did hear that, you know, things, <laughs> things didn't work out, you know, but, uh, but you had a good head on your shoulders, man. I knew, I knew you were going to figure it out, but I could have told you right then and there when John Antonio didn't make it at Mercyhurst on that team, it, it's probably because that culture let him skate a little bit. You know, let them coast a little bit. So, um, and I can't speak to Mercyhurst or how they do things. I won't speak of it negatively. I have no, I have no idea. I know they win. So something, something must be in the water there. But for you in particular, but it's probably just you needed a few more folks that were looking at you and saying, I, "I'm pretty sure that ain't going to be good enough, man." You know, and um, and you were gonna, you were going to be okay with that. So, do you need it in yourself for sure? But you got to surround yourself with people that are going to instill it as well. Yeah, no, for sure. It was it had nothing to do with like the team or like the coach or anything like that. It was just more so of which <laughs> it was more so me just taking advantage of something. And like you were saying earlier about like how much you care about the opportunity. It was more so which I'm sure you can imagine like a lot. I would say a lot of things fall into my lap and I get a lot of good opportunities. But like I look back not in a like, regretful way, but there's a lot of things that like I've um, as we all do, like fuck up. And it's more so of like, wow, that just came from not the entitlement, but me taking advantage of that opportunity, not thinking anything was going to come of it. Sure. Sure. And like you said, man, there ain't a person out there with some insecurities. There ain't a person out there with regret. You know, there's, I mean, I have it in abundance, John. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think the evaluation of that failure is, is, is what makes us who we are. So the evaluation of successes are the same, but you got to be able to, got to be able to take a few blows man and keep moving forward absolutely um getting more into you as a coach i know we've been talking about certain philosophies but not like really head on um you got obviously you were coached by dave petromala at hopkins and then you started coaching for tyranny at princeton um and then from there you uh 2013 yeah 2013 you started as the head coach at hobart that was my sophomore year mm -hmm. um obviously being coached by two you know most people recognize petro and tyranny as two of like the iconic coaches in the game itself um and then obviously you know you're starting to make waves yourself with everything you've done I actually not to you know blow smoke up you but I got some, it, buddy, <laughs> I got some I got some statistics right here that I, I did my research so 2016 um was a 10 win season for um Hobart under your leadership and it was the most since they joined D1 the 94-95 season 2017 you won the conference title in the NEC and then 2019, you guys won 11 games, won 11 and five, which was the most ever. Um, the year of COVID 2020, the offense averaged 19.6 goals per game, which was the highest in the country at the time and the most ever for a team since 86 at Hobart. How much of how you run everything and obviously, like you said, having coach, new coaches in and out of the door all the time and them having to necessarily buy into your leadership as the head coach, and then obviously buy into the standard that you have. Where does that come from? Because obviously it gets influenced. Did it get influenced with the way that, you know, I heard you talk about it before with us about how 
Petro ran practices at Hopkins where everything was very intentional, very intense. Um, and I even remember some days you would come in the locker room, not pissed off, but very like focused. And we're like, you would just walk in, you'd be full in your rain gear, all that. And it was always on the shittiest days. And you would come walking right in and you'd be like, <laughs> all right, let's go. We're going to find out who the men are today. And like a bunch of us were always like, fuck, oh, man, <laughs> like I got to worry about some BS exam coming up Friday. And now I'm about to get just chewed out and beat up for two hours straight. Oh, this is going to be great. Um, and obviously you, I brought up those stats because those have kind of led the program into a great direction. And I know I've had conversations with Frank uh, Darden and other people about how, where the program was their freshman year to where it is now, there has been like a visible, like improvement who who's influenced those philosophies in you the most and what are some things that you have taken away from Petro and tyranny um, specifically? Yeah, sure, man. Sure. And, and first off, thank you for, you know, rattling off some great stats and, and um, you know, I, I, as, as you learned, John, I love being hard when it's hard, man. I, I just, I, I, I see the underdog in it. I see the, uh, I see the growth in it. You know, I want to, I want my guys to be, 38 and rainy guys, man, not 70 and sunny guys. And, um, you know, I, I do want, I just, I just think you enjoy 70 and sunny so much more when, when you can, when you can find the purpose in the 38 and rainy, you know, I love it. So, um, you know, that was all intentional brother. It wasn't, wasn't direct. Of course, of course. No, um, of course. So yeah. And it comes, it comes from those guys. It does. You know, I think the, you know, what you get from a balance standpoint, I, I didn't coach under Petro. I played under him. Right. And then, you know, I, and I coached for Bill Tierney and I played for Dave Petromala, but I also played for Seth Tierney. I played for Bill Dwan. Um, I played for great captains, you know, and uh, back to that people talk it, you know, Petro was an enormous influence and an enormous figure. You know, you're talking about the best defenseman ever and mm -hmm. a guy who's, had more wins than anybody in the history of the Hopkins program. So, I mean, you go to the Bob Scotts and the, you know, who's the, you know, the, the John Wooden or the Bear Bryant of, of lacrosse at, at, there's a statue of him. Coach Petro's won more than him. So, you know, I think um, understanding that is a pretty awesome thing. And, you know, just understanding what, what, what coach T did at Princeton. I'm just, I'm a lucky guy, man. I've, I've had, I've had influences from great people. And I've had influences from stern people, from guys that um, that don't bend, they don't break. And, you know, I, I think I saw two men there in particular that were, you know, I, it's funny, man. I got some of the best advice of my life uh, uh, by a guy. And this is uh, like you asked the question, is it Petro Shore? Is it Coach T Shore? Is it the other guys I mentioned? Yeah, but, I mean, it's also Mike Hanna here at Hobart. It's, it's, uh, my mom, you know, it's my brother. It's, uh, my best, my best buddies, man. I, if you were, you were to look at the guys I lived with at Hopkins, I mean, our families go on vacation together. I, I mean, I ask them questions constantly, John, on scenarios, it, it, whether it's life, marriage, um, employment, this and that. I mean, I got calls that I make immediately. And um, a lot of them are with my boys, man, the guys that we sacrificed with. You know, I, I was, John, I was that guy when my coach walked by in his rain gear ready to bark. I was that guy, man. And I said, don't worry, I said the same shit. You know, I was like, oh, God, you know, this is going to be a long day. And, um, but it, it, you, you do it and, and you figure it out. And when you figure it out together, 
I mean, the, the relationships and the bonds that you create in that, I think that's the coolest thing that, you know, you and Frank are good buddies that, you know, that, um, you know, that those guys, I mean, I, I went to, uh, um, who was it? I went to Sean Donnelly's wedding the guy that played for us here. And I got to hang out with all those guys, the guys that we got that 11 win season together, um, and won a conference championship. They were all there and it's just great seeing them in a, you know, a looser environment, seeing them together. And, and, you know, so the influences come, fourfold if you're looking for them they're everywhere man and i'm a big circle guy i love people uh, i love i love getting motivations from them and you know learning more on a daily daily basis but i was going to say that the when i got here um there's a guy there's an alum he's in the hall of fame for us now his name's jeremy foley and he um he was a longtime athletic director in florida and um, one of the most successful athletic directors in the history of the SEC and, and all this stuff. He was a Hobart lacrosse player here and, and started in the mailroom in Florida, worked his way up. He's got an awesome success story. So, you know, when we spent time together and, and he's always opened his phone to me and, and um, was on that first 72 national championship team. So we've talked a bunch and, and had some intimate, some deep conversations. And I always want to know, you know, tell me about, you know, tell me about Irvin Meyer, tell me about Billy Donovan, tell me about, you know, what you knew about Tebow. Tell me about these guys that either won, led, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, so he talked about BD, Billy Donovan there, and he said, I don't think I've ever seen a coach that was better when it was bad. And, you know, and that happens for all of us, man. You talked about Saban. You talked about Coach K. We, we, we hit some ruts. You know, last year I had a phenomenal team here. We had a great team. We lost five games in a row. And we, you know, we sat down with the staff and said, hey, man, let's be great right now when it's really hard to be great, because that's what we teach, you know, 38 and rainy. And 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 it's just about, you know, those guys, the Bill Tierney's of the world and the Dave Patrick Miles of the world, they tune it up when it's bad. They tune it up when it's hard. And, and you know, when you're in a little bit of a funk or you got, you're not playing well, you're not. The, I mean, and that's what impacts the program the most. And so that when you get to these high pressure scenarios and in athletics and in life, you, you pretty much know how to handle them. So that's what I take away from anything, John. Sure, I learned so much from so many great people, but I think the the best of them have taught me, and these are my best buddies included, have taught me, don't feel sorry for yourself, all right? Put your focus in between those yellow lines or put your focus in the family, you put your focus into this and you're probably going to find a great solution, but pouting about it ain't doing it right. Worried about the rain ain't doing it, you know, getting out in it when it's snowy and that wind's blowing, getting in it and, and being invested. That's what you got to do. So, um, you know, I think I learned that from coach Petra more than anything, how every day required your focus. I learned from Bill Tierney, how important, that cultural growth is and how you need to spend time on it. I learned from Mike Hanna what, what, what it's like to send a thank you letter, what it means, you know, what it means to actually communicate on a respectful level to everybody you work with. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Like I said, I think the main thing is I'm a lucky guy and, and I've had, I've had great family. I've had great influences throughout my whole life. Absolutely. And, um, kind of what you just said about every day requires the focus going back to what you're obviously social media wasn't what it was when I was in college. Like I want to say like Instagram and all that didn't really start getting big per se until I was a junior or senior, but with all the distractions and influences that are 
more now, do you find it harder to keep players' attention and keep them disciplined and keep them focused? And if oh so, God, what, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. 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 What are what are those what are those things? I feel like like obviously to keep the program afloat and keep like what your mission is afloat, you have to work even harder to fight those distractions. So like, what are those things that like you have to do with your own players? Sure. Well, you know, I think I think core values are very important, John. And, you know, we have three of them here. Uh, you know, the one of underdog, you know, we teach, yep. we teach what underdog means, uh, how we define it here. Um, and, uh, you know, one of our core values is the next play, teaching a present mind, teaching a, a stoic emotion, never too up, never too down. Uh, and doing the right thing over the easy, what, what our discipline is. So we, you know, the core values that you provide, John are very important, but you also have to, you also have to define them. You have to, like, when we talk about family here, we define it. We talk about leadership. These are all very vague, very great terms. Underdog. It's like, yeah, I get it. You know, we're an underdog, but no, I'm not talking about records. I'm not talking about statistics. I'm not talking about, you know, a recruiting profile. I don't care about any of that crap. I'm talking about how you approach your daily life. And are you, are you fearless? Are you fierce? Are you, are you, are you, are you proud of your accomplishment? You're proud of your um, achievement. You know, like that's what we talk about here. If you get to leadership, right. I've said it a thousand times in this last hour. It's like, yeah, what coach doesn't talk about leading? Da, da, da. It's great. But what does it mean? You know, what does it mean at Hobart? What does it mean for your uh, evaluation of your daily life? And if we we're to talk, exact connection from a present mind focus that's the hardest thing these days john is getting people in the moment right present mind compartmentalize a little bit like you said get rid of that paper you know you got that test coming up and whatever get rid of it for a sec be here for two hours man that test is coming don't worry it'll be it'll be here you can focus on it a little bit later but can you provide this element of your day your top focus and that's so hard for our men now. And it's not a judgment. It's an evaluation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't judge. I don't judge any of the social media. I don't use it, John, because I, 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 was, I was I was bad with it, man. I was I, I'd be sitting on my couch. I would climb down a rabbit hole on Instagram and I look up, you know, just kind of, you know, rubbing the eyes like. You know, how why was I just watching a you know a frog fight a snake? What what happened? You know, <laughs> how how did I get to that? And then and my wife's going, you know, you haven't talked to me or your daughter in 25 minutes here, and you know, we don't see you that much in season. So it's like, yeah, this ain't good for me. And that that was my evaluation. And I was also taking thoughts from so many others. Twitter, it's like like I told you, you just you 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 swipe your finger. And it's a new motivation. It's a new tactic. It's a new. And so instead of me actually evaluating the young man I was speaking to and then formatting my message based on that, I was learning what was right on a Twitter feed. And then I'd talk and I'd talk to my team and I'd go, well, shit, man, is that my is that my idea or is that someone else's? Like what? What? I don't even know if that was impactful to them, you know, or just just a a cool leadership quote, you know. So I was it wasn't healthy for me, so I I avoided it and and I've shut it down and it's been the best, honestly, for me personally, been the best thing I've ever done. Um, and a lot of people ask, you know, why aren't you? And recruits ask all the time. I know, you know, you never post anything. Da da da. I'm like, that, that ain't us here, you know. We're, we're not we're not out in front 
of the social media drip. You don't see our uniforms all the time or our cool new helmets or da da da. It's not what it's about for us. You got to know that. I mean, I know you, you you love seeing it firsthand, and but for us, it's the easiest way to get out of the present. You know, I think we need our guys to settle in to that adverse time, like we keep talking about. How easy is it, John, when you're in? That that tough conversation, that that uncomfortable moment. Even now, you're a grown up. You have them, and it's like, I don't need to stay here, man. I'm gonna flip open this phone and I'm gonna see what what's going on. You know, I don't need to stay in this element, right? It, there's there's we want our guys to sink in, and say, yeah, this is this is a tough situation right now. Whether it's uh, you know just a, an awkward conversation to a you know um, a whole week of having a bunch of lousy days back to back. Settle in. Don't go to the don't go to that other place. Don't get the FOMO. Don't don't check an Instagram feed that's on a beach. Don't you don't need that, right? Stay put, stay in it, figure it out, and trust yourself a bit. You know, I think that's the other thing that gets so influenced is you got I mean, we've got great young men in this program. They can make their own decisions and they have to have the power over that if they're ever going to be worth a salt. You know, so if you're going to check and see what Tom Brady did in this moment. You're not really getting better. If you're going to actually sit down and evaluate what's going on and then be able to make your own choices, right? To take full, it sounds like you've taken full, taken full ownership over what happened at Hobart, what happened at Mercyhurst. And now again, look what you're doing. You're trying to get great information out to whoever wants to listen. I mean, that's full ownership, man ownership over the journey and my decision-making. And once you have that, now we're talking about finding those best versions. So I just think those social media platforms, they're great for a lot of different reasons. They keep people connected. Uh, they get you information, but they also, they take a lot of that balance that you need um, from a daily decision-making standpoint out of your own hands. And we want our guys in it. We want our guys to, we, we define our core values, we define our words, and then we give them the power to make their own choices. Of course. And obviously now it's, it's weird because like attention is the most important thing now. It's not necessarily like merit or doing it the right way and stuff like that. So like, that's kind of like why um, the podcast was even started in the first place is because like, obviously being fortunate enough to be coached by you once going to a school like Hobart and all that comes with that. There's like a lot of information that, um, I find to be valuable. That's almost in a way like a pushback to social media, like on social media, as you know, since it's all about attention and it's all about, look at me, look at me. And like, how can I keep the, you know, the end consumer focused on what I have to say, you see a lot of like finished products. And I feel as though that people don't understand, like we were talking about very early in the podcast about like what it actually takes to do and accomplish what you need to get done or like a goal you have or what your mission is and stuff like that. And having more of a, an origin where it's like, okay, this is where I started and this is where I got to, rather than seeing, you know, Greg Raymond eight seasons in at Hobart, like who was Greg Raymond from high school to where he is now and where came along with that journey and what are some, you know, the up and downs and what are some things that you're like, oh, wow, this should have been this way or that should have been that way. And oh yeah, so remember that first season, John, we were on five, man. Remember that first year? We started that year, I, and I and I knew everything, right? Hopkins, Princeton, blah 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 blah. And we came, yeah. and we, we were we were getting our bag beat in on a weekly basis. So yeah, you know, it, yeah, you got you got to have that, man. You got to have that experience for sure. Yeah, and 
I feel as though not. I never thought it, but I could definitely see how like kids nowadays are just like like I asked um the Nicole Levy, who she's the women's offensive coordinator at Florida now. She played for Syracuse, and I was asking her. We were talking about like the transfer portal and stuff like that. And when I transferred and left the program, it had nothing to do with lacrosse, had nothing to do with you or the coaching staff. I just didn't enjoy myself at the school itself. And mm-hmm. lacrosse was the only fun thing for me. The school itself, not horrible. Um, but that was me. That was, And so, like, one of the things I asked her, I said, I was asking her about the Tucker Dord. I don't even know how to say his last name. Tuck, the kid Cuse. I was at, yes, I was asking him. I said, from an outsider's perspective, I said, I said, um, Cuse obviously was not that good their first year. Obviously, they're building a program from scratch. They have Petro, they have Gate. Like, they're figuring it out, but they're also at the same time still recruiting kids in. They want to play a different style of lacrosse. All those factors that factor into building a program, and obviously it's not easy, it's hard. I said, you know, you know him, or you at least know people that know him. Did he just transfer? Because it's like, I got one year of lacrosse left, and I want to win, so I'm out of here. But she was saying that it's more so like a a program that – Syracuse didn't offer it was a part of his major and that like was part of it but the question that I was asking was I feel as though from again from an outsider ignorant view is that it just seems back to the social media and always wanting to have like oh the the grass is greener over here and like that misconception and being distracted that you know when you have high expectations and you don't meet those expectations you immediately are like okay well maybe Hobart isn't the place I'm going to transfer to this school or I'm going to transfer to that school. And I'm sure there's kids that are like, um, I'm going to transfer from this school. I'm going to go play and transfer in at like a Hopkins in Maryland. And I'm immediately just going to become a better player and win when we both know that's not the case. So mm-hmm. like, what are your thoughts on like how you get players to buy in when it really is rough? Cause nowadays from, whether it's from like a personal relationship standpoint, whether it's a business standpoint, you've seen it with like jobs during COVID and stuff. When the ship starts sinking or it appears it's sinking, people jump off and they don't ride it like down and they don't stick to their commitment. Nah, like, they, they, they help it sink, man. You know, they, exactly. It's the, the, the insidious behavior I talked about. It's like, it's not the social media thing and the media in general. I mean, I mean, yeah, I think, some positive messages come out here and there, but everybody loves the wrong, you know, everybody loves the sinking ship, you know, that's, that's, that's what sells apparently, because I mean, watch the news for a half hour. It's like, Holy Moses, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's put on a funny movie. Let's watch a Disney flick. I mean, I'm, I'm bummed, but you know, I think that, that path of, let me point out the wrong constantly that's the the problem finder man that he he and she is everywhere now like who's i honestly think john people are waking up going you know who's whose day can i ruin today right is it a democrat is it a republican is it a you know is it a race thing is it a gender thing like let me let me piss someone off just because i can you know i can i can type out a an anonymous opinion with my thumbs and and you know, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna be upset about it. I just, I, I've never got, I've never understood it, man. I, I don't, I don't know why negative energy is such an attractive thing, and and um, but it is. So, like you said, and the question is, how do we combat it? How do we fight it? You know, I, I, I'm overly passionate about fighting this transfer portal and what it's done to our sport, where it's at right now. Um, I, we're, we're, we're not on it, man. I don't see it. I don't know who's on it. Um, and we've got, 
this COVID thing, this COVID turnover year, it, it started it a little bit, you know, but it was flowing before that, man. That did, we, you didn't hear the word portal, but guys were transferring like crazy. And, I mean, there, there were guys all over the place. And there are – there's I mean, Coach Poyon, man, he's – I love and respect that person. He's one of my best buddies. He transferred. There's reasons for it. And the, if the reasons are genuine, John, like the one you had, it's completely fine, you know? You don't want to yeah. be – you don't want to encourage someone to be in a situation they hate. That's, that's again, being a, being a faulty and a bad leader, you know? You want to make sure they understand what the next best thing is can be or what it's going to be only if they're 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 inclined or they're they're responsible for themselves you know so you know if you walk away from a situation you got to make sure you're not walking away from another right it's not you can't have a a quitting mentality you got to have a uh, i'm looking for a different path for me mentality you know so um if it's too if it's too hard like Coach Poyan's point, you know, one of my best buddies, Matt Rakowski, left Duke, came to Hopkins, was a great player for us. And again, I go on vacations with his family. I mean, I love him. I mean, it wasn't a this is too hard, I'm leaving thing, or this isn't working out the exact way I thought, uh, and I'm leaving. It's a conscious decision of where am I going to give my best at a different place and where can, where can my best come out? I don't think it's here. Like that. That's a that's a decent decision to make. But if it's just, you know, this has been tough or this is that or yada, 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 or this, that, that coach is, that coach is this, or that coach is that so many things, so much finger pointing and there needs to be a little bit more thumb in that decision-making. So we fight it hard, man. I, one thing I'm most proud of, I got seven fifth year guys on my team now, and they're all Hobart lacrosse players. One thing I'm most proud of through COVID, everyone stayed, you know, everybody stayed here. There's a couple guys that, through student visas and injuries and all that stuff. Like, you know, we had, we, we had to make adjustments. That's fine. But I got four and five year Hobart lacrosse guys. I love it. I love that the fact that they bought in and John, to your point, if the most important thing to them is this program and that's what keeps them here. I love it. You know, so we've got to do a good job as coaches, making sure they enjoy playing the game. That's, that's really important, man. I mean, you, not enough people talk about it. It's not being said a ton in the transfer portal process or even the recruiting process. It's like we you got to have fun and love playing this thing. It's why you're doing this, I would hope. Or if you're not, what's the point? So we've got to make it fun, dude. It sounds corny. It sounds like, you know, I'm talking to I'm talking about sixth graders. I ain't I'm talking about 18 to 21 year old men that need to enjoy playing the game and need to enjoy playing with each other. If they don't, it won't work. So what style are we playing? How are we coaching it? You know, are we regimented? Are they gripping their sticks too tight or yada, yada? We, we've got to look at that as a coaching staff and make sure that we fight that transfer portal at all costs. I mean, it's a literal fight, man. you got to work hard at it. Work hard at making a young man loyal and committed to what you're doing. And again, if circumstances come up and decision-making changes, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But for now, we're going to ask you to buy it completely and believe in what we're doing, but we're also going to make sure you enjoy it, right? One of the things that um, when I first met, I don't say first met, but one of the first times I was working out with Camp Stone, he said to me, which I thought, like, looking back, it's kind of funny now, is he said, he goes, you know, it seems like you guys got a good group of guys. Like, this was before you were there and you were coaching us. It was like uh, when TW was still there. 
Um, yeah. He's like, it seems like you, you know, you guys have a good group of guys like freshmen. You guys all seem to get along really well and stuff like that. He's like, you know, definitely cherish that because there's only like a couple guys that I came in with that are still here. Um, and he goes, it's very rare for a class to go all four years together. He goes, some kids stop playing, some kids transfer, you know, a million different things. And then you, sure. you know, I look, I look back and I see like what my, like what the class I came in with was very, I think there was like maybe like 10 or 11 of us maybe. Um, and I think by the, by the time that like we were all seniors or fifth years, there was only like three or four of us left. Um, so I'm always, I just think. Isn't it's, that crazy, man? It's, it, it uh, is. it's a lot of guys. That's a lot of people. even. That's crazy. Um, I, I yeah. asked that, I asked that question, John, I think a bunch when I first got here is why, why does everybody leave, you know? And, and, and you didn't, sense a ton of and 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 don't mean to cut you off but it was such a such a hot topic for our staff was sitting guys like cam down and going explain this to me what what happens you know and whether it's the weather or you know the cost of this place these are all genuine factors right this is an expensive place this is you know for for whatever reasons there there were many and uh, there were lots of guys so yeah I, i think that became a big focus is we we need four year players, man. We do. Long, longevity is everything. Having having a having a senior class of size, depth, and experience marks the year. Or will they lead? Will they communicate? Will they explain these experiences? It's how it's how I coach. I, I lead through them, and they have to take over the team, and they got to know we're only going as far as they take us. So if that's three, four people, you know, it's tough. So um, we had to get people to stay. And I think, um, you know, again, John, we, we, we wanted to make it enjoyable. And uh, unfortunately a trick to that is, is the success you're having is, are, are you winning? You know, are, are your, is your yeah. product, is your product a, a, a sound one? And so you got to put some work in, you gotta, you gotta do the difficult in order to make it enjoyable, but, but it's so great, crazy. You bring that up, man. I was just talking to about it and you're, you're, you're referencing Dever, right? Camp Stone. Oh, without I mean, a doubt. Stoney's such a stud. And, um, for, for all the reasons we're talking about here on this podcast. So, you know, but, um, yeah, I think we just had a senior meeting a couple of days ago where our seniors sat down and they said it out loud, man, we made it, you know, we, through all the, through all the injury, through all the ups and downs, we're here and we're intact. This is the group we came with. It's the group we're leaving with. And um, I think that's a very empowering thing, brother. Yeah, I, he was uh, coaching at Seton Hill when we played them. And when we were warming up, he came over and tapped me on the shoulder. And I was, I was, I like, I knew he was coaching D2, but I didn't like realize what school. And he came over and tapped me as we were going through warmups. I gave him a big hug and I was just like, damn, I'm like, it's good to see you. Cause I, uh, <laughs> he, him and, uh, even though they're two polar opposite people, him and Love were definitely two of the better players I've ever played with. Oh yeah, loves as as talented as as anyone I've ever seen. Man. Yeah, and so um, obviously it makes your job a lot harder not being able to retain um, players and stuff like that. Not that it's personally due to you or anything, but like so many kids leaving. But one thing that I like look back on is um, Stone Love and even um, Brennan Kessler. Brennan Kessler was actually my host too, which is funny. Um, yes. When I was- Yes, when I was on my visit, is how much emphasis do you, because I don't know if you ever did, and you probably do, how much emphasis are you with those guys 
about kind of mentoring in a way the freshmen and younger guys to like learn you know the tricks of the trade and all that because um i remember that one practice you made a point of saying how um you pointed out uh cam in one of our like meetings or you know right before we would leave to go back into the locker room and stuff like that you made a point of referencing how cam made it a point how every single practice there was one thing he would focus on and nothing else mattered and so like for some practices it was his passing like his passing needed to be sharp and crisp and that was his only goal of practice and the next was oh this goal is to get people involved and stuff like that but cam love and kessler personally have all you know, done things like while we're in practice, like pulled me aside and been like, yo, don't be doing this, do this. Look at, look at it this way. You got to know the defense is sliding this way. This is your outlet. If you don't have a shot doing all that. And they were kind of obviously being good teammates, but in the same way, kind of mentoring me and coaching me under you as a coach, how much, if at all, do you put emphasis on guys um, to be like, Hey, if you, as a, as an older classman, you see one of the younger guys doing something they shouldn't or, doing something that they should and they just don't notice it you need to point it out to them in practice oh yeah man i mean it's it's we we there's a ton of emphasis there john it's uh, again what we what we formulate this culture on not not so much correcting the the wrong uh that that has to happen for sure but it's also just showing the right way and and that's um that's that's physically, you know, from an execution standpoint, but that's as much emotionally and mentally as anything is, you know, pulling a guy aside and say, listen, man, I know that I know this, you know, you got midterms and this week's dragging a bit, but it's going to be all right. You know, just follow me, whatever you need to ask. And I mean, Friday's coming and your last midterm will be here soon. Just buckle down. You're, you're going to figure it out. You know, stuff like that means the world to a to a program and i just don't think you succeed without it you know i think john you the leadership you'd get from camp stone is more powerful and more profound than the leadership you get from me because you're more relatable you know you just mm-hmm. you're you're on a more similar page and obviously i gotta motivate i gotta i gotta put those leaders in the right position but if if i'm the guy asking for it constantly and and if my staff is we're just we're just not gonna be any good you know if if uh if if your peer is and the senior is and he's also putting his arm around you when he knows you need it and and um inviting you out for a cup of coffee or whatever it is to really have a good conversation not not this is this is a forum for special teamwork so um it's it is uh, you hit the nail on the head buddy is it is a constant emphasis and if we find if we see that it's not happening we correct it immediately and make sure that they know listen if this doesn't happen you know you just got to know your senior year ain't going to go well you guys need to do more and um that's the uh the, the where we start the culture essentially is the hierarchy of our family and what we ask them to do daily of course. Yeah. He was also able to do it in a way, which I'm sure, you know, I'm not like, I'm not pointing anyone specifically out, but you've played on a lot of teams, been a part of a lot of teams. So you know what I'm saying? He was able to do it in a way where like, I was, he had my full attention and I listened to him because I'm sure, you know, that there's certain players that are able to do that. And then there's other players where it's just like, all right, you're just being corny. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> right. Or you're, all, or you're also just saying what you think coach wants you to say. You know? Exactly. Like, exactly. You, you know, the different, the difference in those two is huge. And we, hear it too john i mean we hear guys barking that haven't earned the right to bark you know and they're hooting Mm -hmm. and hollering and screaming
screaming in a stick work drill and people aren't listening. It's like, wait, well, you haven't, you haven't really earned that right yet, brother. And one, I don't know if that's necessary right now. So, but you got like Stoney. I mean, it's why he's such a great coach now, John. I mean, he just, there's some, there's some guys that have the balance. There's some guys that do it out of a place of love, right? They love the mm-hmm. sport. They love the program. They love the teammate. And there's some that, you know, do it like we talk to our, our leaders all the time. Like this is about the goal, man. It's not about the role. Like you, don't worry about the title, you know. Don't worry about, um, like you said, the merit of this thing. Do the job. That's that's the that's the most important part. Absolutely. Um, and couple of questions for you wrapping this up. Um, I know you know I I sent you an email about it uh, when we first were planning all this. Uh, a couple, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, when the Hopkins job opened up, did you have any interest in that or were you more so like I'm 10 toes down on Hobart? Uh, yeah, both, both. I, I, I went through, you know, full transparency. I went through that interview process there and, and, uh, wasn't, wasn't the time. And, and, and honestly, I don't think I was their guy. I don't think they wanted to go in that direction, but, but John, our, uh, my wife, we just had Mac, my two-year-old. We had it. We uh-huh. had him. We had him literally the week before that whole thing happened, and um, so my family wasn't in a position to make that huge decision, and and, uh, and I knew that. But most importantly, and on top of that, um, yeah, I, I am pretty dug in here, man. This is the honeymoon phase is still going on. Yeah. So the and um, just knowing that that, I don't think the honeymoon phase ends here. You know, I just, it's a great place to play this sport. It's a great place to coach this sport. And, you know, John, we just get that, you know, move to the Atlantic 10 conference and, and get athletic scholarships. I'm a, I'm a happy coach, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy where I am. Of course. Yeah. And a couple final more questions. Actually, while we were doing this, I sent a text to Shane and told them, and I told a couple of the guys, cause Darden was just texting me too. Um, that I was doing this with you. And Shane said that you were hands down the best coach he's ever had in his entire life. And then I know when, before we started doing this, I said the same thing to you, but it has nothing to do. I don't know what his reasons are. Um, and I know Chris Wellman, when I re- did a podcast with him, he, he said the same thing. Um, I don't know what their reasons are for me. It has nothing to do with you being a D one coach, obviously you coaching at Hopkins, you playing, or my bad, you coaching at Princeton, playing at Hopkins, you know, having the little stint playing in the pros, like any of those things, it has nothing to do with your resume. For me, it was more so of like how you would be on us and kind of in a way where you, the whole goal of what you were doing was obviously win games, teach us how to win, but then be, have like lessons along the way that would lead us um, off the field and obviously in life. And I remember one of the conversations you had with us um, when you shared a personal story, which you know which one I'm referring to that I'm not going to touch on, is you were saying that your goal is not for us to necessarily you know, have all these accolades of all American X, Y, Z, even though that is nice to have, but your goal is to make sure that if we ever do have kids, we're great fathers, we're great husbands, we're great family people. We're, you know, contributing to the community. We're great in our jobs and we're very influential and mentor ish around all the people that we are in our circle and we affect them in a positive way. So obviously being a a little bit older and still really drawing on a lot of the things that you've taught us and instilled in us, whether that's like day-to-day life or even, um, 
me working in real estate right now, kind of in like a more entrepreneurial space, I draw back on those things. And I'm like, wow, like, that's why you were the best coach I've ever had is, is, is that, was that always your intention? Or I know we talked about like the coach being lucky and being surrounded by great people. Is that just a direct correlation of all that you've learned and you've experienced you're now paying it forward into us or like, where does that come from in your mind that you would think, and don't be humble about it. So many players look back and we're like, yeah, he's the guy. Well, well, first, thanks, man. And, and, you know, those guys that you mentioned, those are, those are great guys. Those are, those are full buy-in guys, you know, like, you know, surely like we talked about him earlier. He's, he's, he's a stud and, and the boss man and, and Mark Darden. I mean, I can, I can go on and on and on at, you know, anybody that, anybody that buys in completely to the things you're teaching, I think you're going to develop a great relationship with. So I love those guys and, and I know who they are, which is um, a big part of this. I think, you know, honestly, John, I've, I, I've been blessed with an ability to, to evaluate people pretty well, I think, and, uh, you know, have a good balance between what's, what's important and what's really important. You know, I, I believe that, um, you know, teaching, uh, uh, teaching a balance of, of winning and, and, um, on the field is very important to us here, but, but also the, um, I mean, you mentioned being a father and being, being, um, a leader in a corporate, in a corporate world or being a leader in a, uh, in, in, in any social scenario. That's, that's, I think what, what we ultimately do this thing for is, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm very happy and pleased with what I've learned and, and how, how it's, molded me molded me into the man I am today but I I think I I comes out most when I'm at home and you know I can I can leave the wins and losses uh in the office and on the field a bit but but also take the the bumps and the bruises and the great ups and the great downs and and influence my kids uh you know that's and I I just want all the guys that play for me and us um, to be just that, to be great fathers first, great husbands, great, um, you know, great, great friends, um, just folks that people can depend on, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very important now more than ever is, is to, to be able to pick up the phone uh, when you don't want to, or help out when you don't want to, and know that it's, um, for the betterment of a cause. So, uh, uh, you know, I, again, I'm flattered and, and I thank you so much for saying those great things, but, um, and there is, there is an agenda of winning for sure, man. I just think better people make better players and, um, and, and they're easier to lead, but, uh, but there's also, there, there's a, there's a much more important higher purpose to this whole thing and making sure that uh, our guys go on and live great, happy and healthy lives. Absolutely. And from your point of view, what make what like, cause I think there's a distinct separation between the two. What makes a great athlete versus a great lacrosse player, even though they kind of like go hand in hand, but sometimes they could be totally opposite. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, the, the athleticism stuff is hard to teach, brother. That's the, that's the, the trick of the recruiting, right? It's, you gotta, it's hard to make somebody faster. You know, it's, it's hard to make somebody jump higher. I, I mean, that stuff does, does come from God a bit and, and a little bit of the balance and the hard work for sure. But, you know, I think what makes a good lacrosse player is um, the ability to listen, you know, the ability to, uh, to appreciate a greater knowledge elsewhere and to, and to get all the way, uh, engorfed and in, in focused on, you know, how you can grow an IQ with, with the proper time and the proper attention. What makes a great lacrosse player is 
the the young man committed to repetition understanding what repeating an act does for skill and and how you can grow it by just again going back to that original point we made by making a choice you can become a much better lacrosse player by deciding that you want to be and um but from the athleticism standpoint you know a great athlete can get to and from quick right a great athlete body has great muscle memory a great athlete's you know has great core strength and and um you know has has great fitness you know and and commits to the nutrition he needs the um, the water he needs the sleep he needs those are those are huge factors so you need one to impact the other like you said but you know our job is to uh is to provide the great athletes that we bring in here, the best forum to be the best lacrosse players they can possibly be. And, um, you know, I think with, with certain teachings and proper knowledge, you can get, you can get two in the same and, um, a lot more times than not. For sure. And what, obviously like, um, you playing at the high level, you did playing pro for a little bit, coaching at, you know, elite schools and stuff, and now building and running the Hobart program, um, two-part question what have you learned about yourself since doing that and from those experiences if someone was to ask you like say a middle schooler or something like that was like hey coach like what do I need to do to stand out to what would be those things you'd be telling uh you know the first part of the question I think what, what I've learned from myself is is you know, how much patience you need in order to do this job well and, and how little judgment you can provide. Uh, you, you, you need to be relatable. You need to have empathy, um, sympathy, eh, not so much, but, um, but empathy. Yes. You got to understand what, um, what a young man has on his plate. You got to understand what can make him better and, and how many times that can be different. Uh, so I think, I think patience is um, a huge thing that has grown in me. You know, I think when I first started this gig, John, and you were unfortunately a part of that was, you know, it was like, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. And that's grown into, yeah, I think that's the way, but you know, let's communicate it differently. You know, let's make sure that we know if our young men are not playing the way we want them to play, it is our fault completely. So we need to look at that. And, and so that patience has helped me out a ton and removing the judgment is huge. Um, what that, what that young man has to do to stand out is he's got to love to play. Like I told you before, we have to see the passion in the game. We have to know it won't go anywhere. You know, that's going to be huge and, and ability to articulate that. But he, he's also, again, in the full understanding of, I tell my guys all the time, what's the most important part uh, of of the game of, of lacrosse? And it's the ball. Where is it? How, how do we get it? How do we keep it? And if we don't have it, how do we get it back? You know, so how can we handle this thing? And uh, you go to that sixth grade camp and and they ask that same question and I ask you know what's the what's the most important equipment piece you got my helmet you know my my shoulder pads my it's your stick man you got to be able to use it that's got to be a love affair so you know it's tough to play this game at a good level if if uh you and your stick aren't one and the same and um that again like my mom always said you spell love t-i-m-e if you're putting in the time you know the relationship you're going to have with that is a is, is a loving relationship so i would tell that young man let me see the passion. Let me see the love. And then, you know, that's going to come out in, in, in how well you can handle that ball at an early stage. And lastly, 
the last question I ask everyone, and I'm always curious what it's going to be. If you could have a conversation with 18-year-old Greg Raymond today, what things would you tell him? Oh, God, how much time do you have? <laughs> Jesus, that's, <laughs> you know, uh, I tell him, um, one, don't worry about the first one. I mean, the second the second one's usually better from a, uh, from a relationship standpoint. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Christ, brother, it would, it would be – you know, trust the gut a little bit more, um, you know, avoid, avoid the social distractions when you get to the college level, um, you know, provide yourself the best opportunity to have influences around you that make the most sense. So, I mean, but John, I think one thing I'm, I'm cursed with brother and blessed with as a coach is a, is a phenomenal memory. I, I don't forget anything. And, um, Oh, I know that, you don't. <laughs> but that, that also brings that. I mean, I, I remember a conversation I had with, you know, a girl in the hallway of, of my middle school that, that it cringes every time I think about what I said. So it, it hurts, <laughs> it, you know, it, it hurts as much as it helps, but, you know, I think if I were to go back and, and get 18 year old Greg, I'd, I'd look him in the eye and go, listen, man, this is going to get funky and it's going to get gnarly quick. You gotta, you gotta trust what your mother taught you. You gotta trust what your, your father taught you, your brother, you gotta, you gotta have as much respect for yourself as anything else in order for this thing to work, because you're going to hit, you're going to hit a wall hard here. And, um, you know, you just got to be able to have that fortitude to figure it out. That's awesome. Well, I think that's where we end it. So I, uh, I greatly appreciate this because, um, as you know, most valuable asset someone has is their time. So, and you're extremely busy with all you got going on, um, knowing firsthand all that you have to do and all the moving pieces around you. Um, and then obviously us not having uh, spoken in a, in a long time. Um, I greatly appreciate it. Sincerely. Yeah, and I and I appreciate it, John. I wanted to make sure I said that. You know, you you texted me a while ago, a couple of years ago, thanking me for uh, for the small part I played in, in in your growth. And you know, I just wanted to say I'm proud as hell of uh, the man you become and how successful you are. So appreciate you having me on, man. I'm glad it could all work out. Of course, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll give you a buzz after uh, we finish up here. All right, brother. I'll speak to you soon. All right, I'll talk to you. Bye. Th thanks, John.